single Charlize Theron movie that the world is lucky enough to have. And by we, I mean myself, Regina Connolly, and my co-host, Robin Elaine Hitchcock. Hello! And Bob Shields. Hello! And today, we also have special guest, Alex O'Brien! Hello! This week, we are talking about the movie Young Adult, written by Diablo Cody, and it came out in... 2011! Excellent! (laughs) Good thing I knew that. Um, And I think we should dive right in with our one sound movie review. I'm going to cheat a little because this is technically a word, <laughs> but my review is, yup. <laughs> That's, yeah. I think mine is like, <laughs> <laughs> Mine is, <laughs> I think mine is, ooh. <laughs> See, I feel like this one was the hardest one I've had to do because uh, I love this movie mm-hmm. so much. But it makes me so uncomfortable. And I'm like, if I make an uncomfortable noise, it'll sound like I don't like it. That's what I was thinking. I was like, I don't want to sound like I dislike it because I love it. But that is what it is. It is a hard movie to categorize and a hard movie to analyze for that reason. Because it's like, it's so tense and drawn out. And you're like, you know something is going to blow up at some point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, And it does. And it does. Oh, it does. But it's also so, like, you're drawn so into it and it's so compelling. I'm going to give the quick plot summary. Yes, please. So, Charlize Theron plays Mavis Gary, and she has made it big, in air quotes, and gone to Minneapolis and is a ghostwriter for young adult, a popular young adult fiction series that is ending. And we see her in her apartment, and she gets a baby announcement from her high school ex-boyfriend. And she's all, like, cranky about having received it. And then she decides that she is going back to her hometown of Mercury, Minnesota, and that she has decided that she and her high school boyfriend are meant to be together, and that she is going to break up his marriage and seduce him. (laughs) She also meets Patton Oswalt at a bar and realizes that she knew him from high school as well, and they form a connection in the movie. And he is like, don't do this (laughs) to her high school boyfriend's name is Buddy. He's like, this is horrible. Buddy Slade. Buddy Slade. Such a good name. And we basically watch her interact with Buddy Slade in increasingly uncomfortable scenarios. And she's, like, very, like, judgmental of being in this small town, and she feels, like, you know, better than everyone else. She was the popular, you know, beautiful girl from high school. Uh, and she goes to, like, the baby naming ceremony and has decided that, like, Buddy knows that they're going to be together. And she tries to be like, all right, like, we're going to make this work. We're going to get you out of this marriage. <laughs> and he's like, ugh, you're better than this. And he goes away. And then his wife spills wine on her blouse. And then, like, publicly in front of everyone, she starts, like, freaking out at her and, like, yelling and then reveals that like she had been pregnant with buddy's kid when they were 20 but she miscarried you know she's like i could have had all this but i don't and don't you hate me now and the woman's like i don't hate you like everyone like has this awkward pity for her so she's humiliated and then she runs into Patton oswald's arms Mm -hmm. and they have an uncomfortable sex scene and then his sister is basically like but you're the most beautiful popular person and i need to imagine you in the big city to make my life in the small town mean something and then she gets into her beat up mini and drives back to minneapolis 
That's correct. Yeah. That's all, she has yeah. a circular character arc. Uh-huh. She yeah. goes right back to the beginning. She has like this brief window where you think that something might change for her after she sleeps with Patton Oswalt. Yeah. Or as she's sleeping with him. Like that scene is like really tender and vulnerable. And she's like, I did something bad. So yeah. like, okay. So she's admitting that she did something wrong. And but then there is a shot of basically Patton Oswalt asleep with his arm on top of her, which, which echoes. A shot from the mm-hmm. beginning of the movie where she goes on a first date with a guy. I, this is like one of my favorite scenes. Oh, I love it. I love so much. 50 favorite scenes. Like, so <laughs> she goes on a date with this guy and he's like, yeah, so I ended up being in Southeast Asia for about three months. She goes, yikes. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, it was one of the most rewarding experiences of my life. And she's like, yeah, no, of course. <laughs> and then he fucks her anyway. Because look at yeah. her. Well, yeah. yeah. And they, so he has his arm across her. She wakes up. And then this is so weird. This is like a Prometheus level weird, <laughs> bad choice. She leaves him yes. in her apartment to go to Mercury. Yeah. Like, she just packs her bag while he's still snoring and just walks out. I hope she left him a key and instructions. This is an automatic lock. It just, like, oh, locks yeah. closed. fancy in yeah. her oh, Minneapolis high-rise. I also well, thought that locks, that... like, if you close them, they just close on the latch and you can't open them from the outside. Oh, we don't have That's one a... of those. Yeah, because I was thinking the same thing. I was like, so she's just leaving him here and hopefully he doesn't he doesn't steal her stuff i thought it was like a deliberate thing to show how like irresponsible she was i completely agree yeah yeah Yeah. and i think that like unlike prometheus the the bad choices she makes and even the premise of her plan is unsound but the movie is commenting on how irresponsible and unsound that plan is even though it has its own clear but we have a limited logic. time to record today we cannot go back to Prometheus <laughs> I apologize for bringing it up so like the movie has so many layers I feel like there's so many things to talk about I think like the the frame of her work and like being a ghostwriter and it being a novel for people who like aren't adults yet and the movie is very much like yes she is a high school person who because it's a Sweet Valley High esque series yeah which is why it's being canceled and which they make a funny comment about it's like oh there's no vampires in it she's writing about the most popular girl at Waverly Prep yeah and so she's like writing about her glory days. And her glory days are over, and the series is over. Mm-hmm. Right. And it sounds really, like, ham-fisted, but it's not. It it's works well super well. It really does. And the thing is, so there's the moment when she's, after she sleeps with Patton Oswald, where he's basically like, why did you want to go after Buddy so much? And she said, like, well, because he knew me when I was at my best, because she feels like since then she's never been that good. And he's like, you weren't at your best. Like, you were a horrible person then. And so there's, like, this brief moment where you're like, maybe things will be different. And she wakes up and she's like, I need to change. But then she has this conversation with Patton Oswald's sister, who plays, like, the awkward awkward girl who was like obsessed with her made her rice krispie treats or something yeah yeah Yeah. and she basically had this conversation where she's kind of like no like you were better than everyone else here in mercury like there's a lot of like small town and like having made it out into the city but i also think the movie is like making fun of it because the city that she made it to is minneapolis Mm -hmm. which is not exactly considered like a bastion of like high i'm gonna say that because i never lived in new york and i so i (laughs) i want to come from a Humble, living in Pittsburgh, which is an even smaller city than Minneapolis, they do a great job of making it clearly hypocritical 
for people to feel fancy for living in Minneapolis. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they do a great job, I was going to say, like, set design-wise, of showing that she's not that fancy. Like, they surround her with such mundane objects, Mm -hmm. like, in her apartment, like, those, like, Bed Bath & Beyond-style, like, crates and stuff like that. Yeah. It's just, it's tacky. Like, a lot of the stuff that she has is tacky. And it's, like, the stuff she's doing at home in Minneapolis is the same thing she does when she gets to Mercury. Mm -hmm. Like, she watches Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Yes. Like, all day. She eats fast food. At her fancy city home, and then she comes to Mercury. Yeah, goes to the KFC, or Kentaco Hut, gets KFC. Which Buddy has never heard before. He's like, you're a genius. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, wow, you really are a writer. (laughs) So, something that's a little interesting about me in this movie is that the reason I watched it in the first place is I heard about it on a podcast. Back when I first started listening to podcasts, Extra Hot Great had an episode where they talked about it. And I was like, I must watch this. It's so good. It's so good. And it is so good. Well, I watched this when I was living in Scotland, drop, and I watched it with an American friend and two British friends, and my American friend and I loved it, and we thought it was so good, and I felt like it reminded me a lot of people that I knew, and I felt like the cinematography in particular, like, I always talk about this, but there's one tracking shot in the movie where she's driving to Mercury, and the camera just shows, like, her face, and then it's, like, staples, chilies. Kentaco Hut, and then like the highway road signs, and I was like, that looks like where I grew up, even though I did not grow up in Minneapolis or in Minnesota, and it's because like, you know, small towns are all the same. Yeah, Yeah, like these big chains replicate themselves, and it felt like really visceral to me on like multiple levels, and I think for my British friends who saw it were like, well, she was unlikable, but like, I, you know, like that was really kind of yeah, it doesn't. It only represents culture here. It does yeah, not yeah, represent culture sure. anywhere else in the world. They don't have mean people in the UK. <laughs> we don't. So the things that she's commenting on that she's escaping from just don't exist. Okay. Anymore. Yeah. So I love how much product placement there is in this movie, <laughs> and I'm so curious how they cleared all of that. Like, so she drinks Maker's Mark a lot. Yeah. And yeah. she's an alcoholic, which yeah. we've not mentioned yet. I don't think. I love how Maker's Mark is like, yes, we will be the bourbon of alcoholics who consider (laughs) themselves fancy. (laughs) She's chic. But she's like medium chic. Like she shops at Macy's for her silk dress. Yeah, she's like, ooh, Marc Jacobs is the fanciest I can think of kind of thing. I do think the movie has like does a great job of casting and utilizing Charlize in this role in particular. Like I can't imagine anyone else doing this role that no, well. Me neither. And neither. it's I feel like like she just looks so different from everyone else in the movie. Like right. they all look like normal people. Yeah. And it's almost like, you know, like she is a mo- like an A-list movie star who like walks into Mercury, Minnesota and it's kind of like, yeah, that would be. Yeah. I <laughs> love the scene where she's putting on all of her makeup. Yes. That's yes. that is one of my favorite things in the movie. She's just like Puts all that foundation on. She wears a weird like, amount of foundation. Yeah, like, she, like, the first time I saw it, I was like, this is honestly a little bit, like, horrifying. Like, I, it's, <laughs> it's like she's, like, a monster, like, slathering on, like, her. Yeah. It was just very uncomfortable for me to watch for I, some reason. I have some makeup tips for Mavis. <laughs> <laughs> I loved how many manicures and pedicures she got. Like, yeah. they kept doing this repeat shot of, like, her getting ready, and it was sort of like her putting on her, you mm-hmm. know, persona to go have the right. perfect outfit for each instance where she was going to seduce Buddy, and they were always wrong. She overdresses for yeah. everything. She wore, like, that little tight dress to, like, a TGI Fridays. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which TGI Fridays clearly would not give them a clearance, yeah, so yeah, they had exactly. to make a Champion O'Malley's, <laughs> which is a great title for that kind of restaurant. So another thing I think we glossed over is that Patton Oswalt's character was beat up and yeah. permanently injured by high school jocks when they were in high school. Mm-hmm. And so like he has a, uses a crutch, 
and his dick is broken is I think how yeah. they refer to it. They do. He's like, I piss and come sideways, <laughs> <laughs> which is beautiful imagery. Another little detail I love is they're hanging out and a guy in a wheelchair oh, appears at yes. the bar and he's like, uh, the happiest cripple in Minnesota. <laughs> Mavis is like, oh, he's my cousin. He took all the attention away from me at my sweet 16. <laughs> and that is, I think, the best scene because it's basically like showing that like she can be as ugly as she wants to around Pat Oswald and like Who it's also fine. is perfectly cast. In yeah. This yeah. Yeah. And like I, I think like I think this is the, like one of the movies which is the reason for me wanting to do the podcast. Like I would say this might be my favorite role to see her in. Like, I just think she destroys the scenery and every scene that she's in, there's so much like non like scripted stuff. Like I think of the little scene, which Robin, I I need for you to make a gif of this, but so she has this like weird adversarial relationship with the, the woman who checks her into the residence. And she's like, those donuts are only for like rewards members. And the look of like hatred on her face when she picks up the donut anyway and shoves it in her mouth. And it's just like, fuck you. Like it rides on the heel of a moment of you seeing her like so vulnerable and the way that she like transitions between being like vulnerable and lonely and awful and then just being like so cruel and yet so hilarious and, yeah like, oh it's so good i think this is the first time i ever saw Charlize in a comedic role and she's mm. amazing at she's, it. she's very yeah. funny her face is just like stone like she just <laughs> it's just, like terrifying and her timing mm-hmm. she's just really really good at it. i hope that we end up seeing when we go back through yeah. the catalog, I hope there are other roles. I'm not sure. Oh, a million ways to die in the West. Oh, no. no. <laughs> well, she's also in Arrested Development, which I've oh, never yeah. seen. Oh, of yeah, course. All right. Oh so I yeah. think that came before this. So I guess this was the second time I saw her in a comedic yeah. role. But, she, yeah, it's the third season. But it's a very different kind of comedy. That's a very broad comedic yes. role. This is the opposite of that. Yeah. yeah. But she's so good. She's so yeah. good and like the way that she has incorporated like the rudeness of her character to become so casual and like mm-hmm. second nature. Like when she's at Champion O'Malley's and the guy like sets down the fork that's like wrapped up in a little plastic paper thing. That's called a setup. But she just looks at him and it's just like I'm not gonna need that. And it's like so like I don't know it's such like a little thing but I just I found that moment so delightful and I couldn't stop laughing. Yeah she balances all the traits of her character incredibly well with like watchmaker's precision it's so perfectly done (laughs) it's so like perfectly done and i honestly i can't think of another role that even comes close to matching i'm like maybe julianne moore and magnolia but i'm like beyond that i'm like i can't think of another role male or female in anything that uh, is, it, it is as well played as this one is. It's like, so good. It's one of the best acting jobs I've ever seen. Was this nominated for anything? She was nominated for a Golden Globe, I believe. But I don't. That think she sounds was right. But I don't believe she was nominated for an Oscar. She was a travesty. Yeah, because <laughs> this is amazing. Like, well, I think like it's the same thing with like how comedic performances, no matter how great they are, often are overlooked for the Oscars. Hence yes. the Golden Globe, they have the separate yeah. categories. So like, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like, they're like, well, she was like in a funny movie, so it's not as important as... Right. And it was a movie written by Diablo Cody, so yeah. we refuse to take seriously. Diablo Cody is an Don, Oscar winner. I, I, I know, but Don I think Page people have... nominated for an Oscar for Juno, too. Which but, this yeah. is reuniting Diablo Cody and Jason, Jason Reitman, yeah. who direct Juno. Which is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. I also want to talk about like the opening credits for this movie, I think, or some of my favorites. So she's like driving to Mercury and she puts on like a mixtape that she made for Buddy. And there's... I think it's from Buddy. Oh, from mm-hmm. Buddy. That yeah. would make more yeah. sense. And it's, it's called, called Mad Love. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy. 
And there's this one song that, that she plays, and then she, like, rewinds it and just plays that song mm-hmm. over the and concept over. The concept by Teenage Fan so Club, good. which has been it's, stuck in my head yep. since I rewatched this movie. <laughs> and it's like, I just don't think I've ever seen a movie do that type of thing before, and, like, I certainly know people, like, with cassette tapes, like, that was a thing, and, like, mm-hmm. the rewind, and just, like, the song on repeat thing. I just, I don't know. I thought because that was such a true cool. thing, too. Well, I'm sorry to interrupt. They no, also no. do the cool close-up of, it's a clear cassette tape. Yeah. yeah. And, and, I don't know, I loved it. Yeah. And I, and, like, it's a great metaphor for the movie. I know. Going, the rewinding. Yeah, just being stuck in the one place over and over and it's outdated and, like, we get to see the inner workings of it. Like, I just think it's really well done. Yeah, and the wife's band, uh, Nipple Confusion. (laughs) (laughs) Great name. A great name uh, for a band full of moms. They they play at the Chicago Mallies and they play that song. And they dedicate it to Buddy. Because you know that, like, Re, he's like reusing yep. his this is our song mm-hmm. which I'm sure is a thing that happens oh, yeah. yeah and then and this is like and then she awkwardly like while they're at Champion O'Malley's mm-hmm. like watching his wife play she leans over and she's like this is the first time I went down on you to this song yeah and like yep. just the look on his face and like you know that she's just like doing 100% the wrong thing and it's failing but she's just doing it anyway like I don't and then know. they have that great slow mo shot of Beth, his wife, playing the yeah. drums, and she looks so happy mm-hmm. and yeah. beautiful, and he looks so in love with her, and it's just like it becomes very, very clear in that moment. Poor Charlize, you have no shot. Yeah. Although I guess in the subsequent, like two scenes later, they do share a kiss. Yeah. And I went back and rewound. He definitely yeah. goes in for it. Yes. Yeah. He's drunk. Yeah. Yeah. Which she got him drunk. He's like fall down drunk. Yeah. But he does go in for that kiss. So. I don't believe that. Yeah. He he does. Because when I thought about the movie, I always think like, oh, she kissed him. But yeah. Right. It it was a very mutual kiss. But like you said, he was hammered. And she knew he was like hammered. And had been, like Regina said, like plying him with alcohol. And she knows that he hasn't. He hasn't been drinking for a year while his wife is pregnant. So it's like he definitely was not prepared to do those things. Yeah. And uh, also, like, while all that's happening, like, Patton Oswalt is in the background looking at her like, what are you doing? (laughs) Like, he's the only one. Like, I think part of the movie is that, like, like, they they have the talk at the bottom where it's, like, it turns out that the wife is the one who invited her all along because Mm -hmm. people, like, knew that her life was a shambles and, and, like, pitied her. But their pity, like, didn't extend to, like, actually, like, doing anything, like, caring or helpful. And it's, like, Patton Oswalt can see that, like, something is terribly wrong with her, but he is, like, actually talking to her like a person. Like, there's a scene where, like, her mom finds out that she's been in town, and they go to, like, her childhood house, and you see that her room is preserved exactly the way it was, and then her mother, her father, and her, like, sit down at the breakfast table, and she says something, she's like, I think I'm an alcoholic. And they, they just laugh. are like, ah, ha, ha, moving on. Because, like, they don't want to hear or think about yeah. what's actually going on. And they have, like, the picture from her failed marriage still up. And what like, a fantastic photograph. It tells so much. Uh, <laughs> and the mother's response where she's like, Mom, like, take down the picture of my wedding. Like, we're divorced. And she's like, but the wedding wasn't a failure. Think about the tiramisu. <laughs> and it was just like, ah. Uh. So many details. I know. Oh, I also love Charlize's hatred of babies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, it's it's all focused on Buddy's baby, I suppose. But at one point, Patton Oswalt says, Buddy has a life. And she says, he doesn't have a life. He has a baby. And babies are born. (laughs) (laughs) And then the mom is like, oh, he has an adorable baby. And she says, have you seen it up close? (laughs) Her face. That's my favorite. That's like my favorite line of hers. Because the way she delivers it. She's like, have you seen it? Like, uh, it's just so perfect her delivery. Of oh, and when when Beth says, "Oh, isn't the baby Buddy's clone?" and she says, "I see 
you in it. <laughs> her, I think, yeah. is a girl. Yeah. Who cares? It's a baby. Yeah. <laughs> I also like the contrast, uh, like, of her, like, when she, like, they do the buffing her nails and putting her makeup on, and, like, mm-hmm. she's in her uniform, <laughs> and then when she's not, like, she's, like, so... Like, still beautiful, but, like, schlubby, like, with her, like, sweatpants. And the way that she, like, walks, just sort of, like, shuffling to things when she's, like, just, like, not in her, I think part of that is that she's hungover. Yes. Like, during daylight hours. Yeah. I One thing I love is she wakes up, like, face down with her hand on a wine glass and then grabs a two liter of Diet Coke and chugs it. And I'm like, girl, I've been there. (laughs) Guys, you want to do Eber or Meber? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So I forgot to make one, and so I had to, like, scribble something down beforehand. So you guys <laughs> might guess which one it is. But I wrote down two, one of each, to to try to sidestep that trap. <laughs> so I'm going to say uh, you guys get to pick, uh, let's say, A or B, and then you'll you'll figure out. B. You'll guess. B. <laughs> In what could be a darker sequel to Mean Girls, we see the plight of the Queen Bees as they approach 40. Mebert. I'm going to say Ebert. I'm going to say Ebert. It was a Mebert. Bach's so good at this. (laughs) That sounded very, like, because I wouldn't have thought Mean Girls, but I was like, oh yeah, it's kind of Mean Girls. I mean, it's basically whenever, I mean, spoilers, whenever I do a Mebert, I take an actual sentence and rewrite the idea. So he does say something about... There's, he's like, there's a lot of movies about queen bees. This is the first one I've seen that's about what happens to them as they approach 40. Yeah. Here's an actual, two things that are actual quotes from his review. First of all, he gets wrong that her novels are about vampires. Oh. And this was in his Twilight years, yeah. sadly. But that's his editor's responsibility. Yeah. Graphics. So, come on, guys. But here's another thing he says. Uh, I've noticed a trend in recent movies. Few characters have mixed drinks anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that's true. I love when she's walking there and she's drinking sangria and she's just angrily pulling all the food out. And she's like, why can't I get a real fucking drink? And that is what ends up all over the front of her is a picture of sangria. Right. But just like her fist and her drink and like her like, ugh, like I hate this orange Breaking it all over the garden. Uh, I love it so much. (laughs) And Um, she's like, I'm kidding. Yes. That's like, that's my most uncomfortable moment. She's like, I'm kidding. And everyone's just like, okay, yeah. like you're clearly not. Yeah. yeah. The asshole's excuse for yeah. a joke. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like I, as you can tell, I love this movie, but mm. I find it very difficult to watch because like, it's just like, it's just like, she's just like a, a wound that's like the center of the movie and you can see it and you can see the terrible things are about to happen to it. And I started sweating so much in the movie. <laughs> I was like, pause, I need more deodorant. I'm so uncomfortable. Well, that's a mark of a good movie is that yeah, it gets yeah. an emotional reaction out of you so, so effectively. Even when you've seen it before. Yeah. But even if you haven't seen it, like, this is my first time watching it, and, like, you know what's going to happen. Like, yeah, there is yeah. a very palpable sense of dread that this is going to fly, like, fly yeah. in her face. Uh, but, like, she plays it so well, and, like, she is both simultaneously, like, strong-willed and vulnerable and unlikable and pitiable, like, all at the same yeah, time. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's unbelievable. Like, it's so good. Yeah, I think that's one of the other things that I think is so great about it is, like, she's unlikable, and the movie, like, does elicit, like, pity and sympathy for her, but not in the way where it's like, but she's secretly great. Right. Like, well, like yeah. for example, like, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is a lot of, like, oh, we're, you know, anti-heroes. Like, we're bad people, but we're really got a heart of gold and I feel like this movie's premise is more like she's kind of a terrible person 
And in the circumstances in which she finds herself, like, she can only continue to be terrible. Like, it's partly her, it's partly the world, but, like, she's just unlikable, but at the same time, like, you should still have pity and sympathy for her. And you do. And you sympathize her because she's trying to be liked. She's trying to be loved by this guy. Mm -hmm. She's not trying to be good. She's just trying to be appreciated. Yeah. And she confuses the two. I feel like it's hard because it's really dense. And there's a lot of the movie that's surprisingly silent. Like, for a script that is so sharp, there's a ton of scenes. Like, the whole opening sequence is almost, like, wordless. It's just her, like, pottering around in her apartment. And you learn so much about her by the environment that she's in, how she treats her dog. I was about to say, we have to talk about her dog. Because it's very sad the way that the dog is treated. Yeah. She shoves him in her purse. (laughs) And she, like, comes back after, like, her two days of not being there and she's like oh I'm sorry I think that might be one of my favorite jokes is that do you have a dog in your bag? (laughs) no No. (laughs) well we actually allow dogs good because I have one in my car (laughs) (laughs) like barking in the purse oh and her car is a Mini Cooper the return of Charlize in the Mini Cooper she's less skilled at driving this one yes she does uh, break its front bumper off and that's the last shot of the movie like you don't see her like back in her apartment like she's just in this like liminal space between Mercury and between Minneapolis and her like beat up like vision of like this nice car that was representative and it's like you don't know what's going to happen to her and you hear her end the novel series being sort of like you know she graduated high school and is off to face the world and like it leaves very open-ended like is she going to take advantage of the possibility for change or is she just going to do the same shit that she's always done i'm going with same me shit. too yeah <laughs> so I, I i interpreted it more sympathetically i guess i was like yeah it, it definitely makes that a possibility that like she's just going back into her same old routine but i was like maybe it's just a data point for like slow future growth yeah like maybe. hopefully she will remember this in the future i agree with you because i think the the shot of the beat up car is basically being like that trip home, like, bruised her and changed her in a visible way. And, like, she's not, like, she doesn't have that exterior anymore. Like, and I feel like it's, like, opening up to, like, I don't know, maybe her not being able to hide from those things. I just think because of the conversation with Patton Oswalt's yes. sister. Sandra. Where she says, I, she, Sandra tells her, you're perfect and beautiful. You live in Minneapolis. And she says, I needed that. And you watch her yeah. face change. Mm-hmm. And then she's able to finish the book. Mm-hmm. And the, like, cipher character for her in the book, Kendall, succeeds. And the cipher character for Buddy dies. dies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> lost at sea. <laughs> I just feel like she goes back to thinking that she's tough shit. And yeah. so I don't, or, like, hot shit. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's going to make her less of a yeah. fuck up yeah. that she has this new wave of self-esteem but it's hollow self-esteem and i think it's like like her making him die out at sea that's her being like oh i just got him like he's stuck in this town and like i'm headed out like he is lost at sea yeah. right it's a metaphor for his life i feel like that scene between the sister is very much setting up like the people like the sister in like mercury can't exist without imagining mm-hmm. charlize's life like she's she's like when i'm having a bad shift like i just imagine what it would be like to be you in your awesome apartment like living this like glamorous beautiful life and I think for Charlize to feel good about her life, she needs to imagine that everyone there is unhappy, that it's boring, that it's, like, small and menial. And it's sort of like, the sister says something about, like, well, if you have everything that you have and you're not happy, like, 
like, how could that even be possible? And, you know, I feel like the movie is setting up that, like, you can't find happiness through either of those things. And, like, if you're you're defining your life in opposition to, like, the thing that you deride, that that is not a path to, like... Really, the only happy people in the movie are Buddy and Beth and perhaps the other members of Nipple Confusion. Yes. I was gonna say, Beth is the best. She's great. What good casting, also. She's, like, just the right amount of pretty. Yeah, and, like, but, like, still, like, she's not as glamorous. Exactly. exactly. That's what I mean. Like, she's a beautiful woman. It's, like, movie star, not beautiful. Yes, exactly. I agree. Back to business. I think we should ask an important question. Would young adult be improved by a prison riot? I thought about this long and hard. I don't want to dishonor my dad's legacy, can't imagine that it could be, but I hope one of you can convince me. So I feel the same. I feel like the only way that we might be able to maintain our perfect record of every movie could be improved by a prison riot is if it was in the book series. Ooh, like if it was something yeah. that Mavis had written about, like maybe instead of being lost at sea, Buddy was in a terrible jail and there was a crazy riot oh, happening that's a good and like he'd gotten shipped or something. Ooh. That I think, but I'm like, but I don't know. But that's not on screen. It's true, so I don't know if that counts, but I'm like, if that, if not that, then I'm gonna say no. This movie is too perfect to be improved by a prince. Here's another possibility that just came to me, but I also don't think it fits, is if she had kenneled Dolce. Uh, a jailbreak from the kennel with a bunch of other purse dogs. So the, I, my initial, reaction was not dog to prison riot but uh like it couldn't be improved by prison like this movie is perfect as it is everything yeah, works yeah. but i was like there it would be possible for her to go and visit somebody in a prison and i was thinking that her character might be somewhat of a tease to the other inmates that she saw and that might cause them like as she was walking out they start to riot as a result of that she would be pleased by that and she would be feel smug about it. Yeah. I was like, that's the only thing I can think of. But it doesn't think I don't think, I think it, it adds. I don't yeah. think it would either. I don't yeah. think it adds, but that's the only way I could think of that you could shoehorn it in. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, it could be like a when you guys said like, oh like prison riot. Like it could be a very different movie and have it end with her just like murdering Buddy <laughs> and then her being in prison and like a riot happening and her not reacting as she does. But I don't think it would improve. But the question isn't, could this movie contain a prison riot? I don't think it would improve. Dad, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Uh, I tried. Yeah. (laughs) I would also say, like, like, I remember the first time I saw this movie, I thought it was so great and so perfect, and the only thing I felt like it didn't need was the who's afraid of Virginia Woolf dead baby element. Like, I mm. felt like we didn't need Charlize Theron to have lost a baby to be the way that she was with Buddy. Like, I didn't I didn't necessarily, like, I didn't notice it or mind it as much this time, but I feel like even in that, like, big, like, I don't know, cathartic speech, like, it could, it didn't have to have that, in some ways, like, cliche a moment, in a way. Like, I don't, I didn't know that that was necessary. Okay, I, I, when I first saw this movie, I had this moment of, oh, God, I hope that isn't what this movie is really about, Mm -hmm. but I do not think that it is. Yeah. And I think it is remarkable and elegant and so unlike Hollywood's normal treatment of miscarriage and motherhood for it to be one of many factors of why her life is in shambles and i actually really really like that they included that yeah and i think it's interesting to think about like if she did have the baby which she would still probably be like a terrible yeah because like that's the thing it doesn't like define who she is but it's like because if she's had the baby she would probably still be the person that she is 
I also think, I think watching it the second time, I felt more like, is this like total honesty from her or is that like another tactic? Is like, is that mm. going to be the most Ooh. wounding thing to be like, mm. I was you first and I'll always be yeah, that. Yeah. So like, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. That's interesting. It's notable that that does not come up when she runs into Patton Oswalt's arms. Yeah. yeah. I, I, can we talk about that scene for a bit? What did sure. you guys think about it? I love when she takes off her dress and she has her, again, her fake boob, mm-hmm. her, like, stick-on bra. Which is very unnecessary to wear with that outfit. Yeah, I think you could wear a real bra, <laughs> yeah, you're saying? Yeah. Right. But anyway, one of the cups is, like, already Excuse kind of coming me. off. And for anyone who's ever worn those, yup. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's just this moment of her taking off her dress and you see she's not all that glamorous. Okay, a note is, do you guys think that she says, hold me? Hide me. It's that's what the captions say. Yeah, oh. I think that's better. I agree. I but she what said, if, hold me? Yeah, she I would have yeah. thought it was hold me. But she, according to the captions, and I rewound, oh. and I was like, I can sort of hear it. She says, "Hide me," which what a really miserable thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was like I thought that was really. I feel like hold me again would be too like easier cliche, and yeah. the hide me was like I think like that's the most honest thing that she says in the whole yeah. movie. Oh, wow. I think that hold me is. Uh, it's a cliche because it's true. I think that if she had said that, I wouldn't have been like, oh. I also think hold me would have been too much of a meeting of equals. And like, I feel like the hide me is like, she wants something from him for her still. Right. And he gives it. And he says, she says, no one loves me. You don't love me. And he says, guys like me are born loving women like you. And it's this moment of like, because he kind of has status over her in all of their interactions. Because mm-hmm. he's sort of, like when I said the only happy people are Buddy and Beth, he's sort of happy. Yeah. Like he, he's content. Right. He's got his, he's got his distillery and his garage and he's got his little mashup action figures. He has right. And but, he yeah. seems. He makes do. Right. He, he, makes, he makes do. do. He could be happier, but yeah. Right. I think he's lonely, yes. but completely satisfied with his situation where she is clearly not and that's a moment of like oh he has vulnerabilities Mm -hmm. and she has just found that crack and worked her way in you know i thought she leaves him and doesn't say goodbye and i thought a lot about how does he feel when he wakes Mm -hmm. up yeah like i'm curious like We've talked about, like, what she's going to be like after the movie. Like, will he have been changed by... I think he goes back to doing what he did. Because I think, like... I and think probably he... when he gets drunk enough is, like, I fucked me oh, this day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And no one believes him. Right. Right, because everyone um, thinks he's gay. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> she calls him the hate crime guy. Right. God. Yeah, I, I don't know. I agree. Like, I think he's probably, like... I think, well, the difference between the two of them is, like, how he said, like, guys like him are born loving girls like her i think it's similar to how he probably thinks guys like me are just gonna end up like this yeah like i think he's kind of resigned himself to like that's what his life was always going to be Mm -hmm. and she's like this is not what my life is like because she had this moment of being the most important person of the in the world when she was in high school and she's like i can't possibly be on the same what's his name in the movie matt 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 Matt. Matt. i also think uh i think of the moment when she's talking to sandra and sandra's like take me with you to the mini apple Um, and she just looks at her and is like you're good here and like that i think is like true for matt in a way Mm -hmm. like that but he has said that to himself like this is this is where i'm gonna be this is what i've got do people really say mini apple 
I don't know. I think that's a great, great name for I, it. I, I do too. Yeah. I think that's also like, get it? She didn't move to New York, guys. Right. Yeah. <laughs> She's just a ghostwriter, guys. If any of our ones of listeners are from Minneapolis <laughs> or know anyone who is, please let us know. Yeah. Do they call it the Minneapolis? <laughs> yeah, um, I think he's a great. He's he is a great sort of opposite to her, and yeah. makes a great conscience character. And also the fact that he's just as kind of resentful of, of people as she is in a way, like not to the same level. But like he is definitely able to connect with her. Yeah. There's a reason they way. get along. Right. Yes, exactly. It's a believable connection. Yeah. Another thing, like that, I, I just think like this movie is full of small details that like tell you so much. And the first time that she's meeting Buddy, she is getting ready, which we've talked about a lot. But then you see her sitting on the edge of the bed, and you see the clock, and it's like five thirty, and she's not going to meet him till six. But like she's ready, and she has nothing else to do but like mm-hmm. sit there and wait. And I was like, I have definitely been on that date before, or like, do you know what I mean? Like just that feeling, yep, of, like yeah. just like how empty, like she's just sitting in like a shitty residence inn, and like everything is hanging on, about to go to Champion O'Malley's with like yeah, she like cannot wait to. It's I think so. It was at Hampton Inn. Okay. Which, again, why did they agree? (laughs) It's like, oh, right. It's like, yeah, we have rude high school aged concierges. They have donuts for their premium members. Yeah, yeah, I want to do one of those donuts. (laughs) You got to stay there a lot. (laughs) What were your favorite Charlie's moments in the movie? Or, like, why do you. Just so many. So many. Yeah, I mean, the whole movie set is like is literally driven by her and mm-hmm. centered entirely around her. So it's one giant Charlie's moment, which I think is why it works so well. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I know. Sorry, I didn't mean to no. Go for it. It just came to me. In my, I love the moment where oh, I can't remember what she says, but they're in the car outside of his house, and she says something about him about like Buddy being miserable or something. Oh, and starts being like, a zombie. Oh yeah, yeah. She's like, he said he's a zombie, and like starts like cackling, and that's like. <laughs> You are seriously like insane. <laughs> and that's like the moment where you're like, she seriously is like in her own world thinking that all this stuff is happening when it's not. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's so many. I feel like I've mentioned a lot. Another one was when he starts to pour her another one of his special whiskeys and he like, you know, gives her a sip and she goes, like, come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he like fills her glass with it. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think taking the donut at the end is my mm. favorite when she's because she's so like beautiful. she's like sad she's like just checking out normal checked out face and then she's and then the the girl apropos of nothing just says those donuts are a premium for our premium members only and she's just like oh fuck you then she's <laughs> like, <laughs> and she's just like the determined like I'm not gonna stop I'm just gonna be determined to take this donut put it in my mouth and I'm gonna walk out. With that, the, the perfect look on her face. It's so good. Like, so defiant. Yeah. It's one of those things I think we all wish we could do. Yeah. yeah. Gusto. <laughs> I like all the scenes of her listening in on teenagers' conversations. Yeah. And then she, you see her writing it into the book. And she uses it to, like, try and get Buddy to fall in love with <laughs> Right? Her. You're my moon. You're my whole galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> That's, oh, I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, but she makes it work. Oh, yeah. I know. It's That's nice. It can't look away. But yeah. it's like. You're like, oh god, don't say that. I really don't think like anyone else in this role like wouldn't be able to hold all these elements in one performance. Like right. it's just yeah. there's there's just so much. I feel also the writing and the performance synchronize so well yes. together. Right. Like this is cemented for me not just that Charlize is a powerful and brilliant actress. Like no, like that was just like always in the air. Yeah. But, like this is I can point to a dedicated reason. Like. Whoosh, this is why she's brilliant. Yeah. But it also has cemented like how fantastic a writer 
Diablo Cody is. Like, yeah, not yeah. that that was really in any particular question either, but I was like, I like Juno a lot, but Juno was definitely kind of smug, uh, whereas this, there, any smugness in this is very focused. Yeah. Correct. Uh, and it is like, it's so well done. Like, I, it just brilliant. turns on a dime, I think is the thing. Is like, I think both in the writing and in like Charlize's yeah. performance, like when she goes to see Nipple Confusion, there's a, one of the moms on the band is like, what mm. the fuck is Mavis Gary doing here? That prom queen bitch. So you know that there's like history there. Right. And then uh, outside of the car, like that woman like tries to get the upper hand of Mavis and is like, it's so interesting to like see you here. Like, and is like trying to like one up her, and without like a second's hesitation, Charlie's is like, I just think it's so brave to see a single mother on the stage like that, like, and just like completely destroys her in in the writing, but also in her like delivery. And then you see the woman's face to sort of be like, ah, like that was so painful. And there's like nothing I can say because like she's not being overtly mean, but everyone knows that she's being mean. It's a it's, neg. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, and it and it does feel very much like a you would see that in like Mean Girls or like you'd see yeah. a high school girl say that, and it's like, oh, but how much crueler in some ways like coming out of an adult woman's mouth both that she would think that that was like appropriate I don't yeah. know I think my best example uh, my favorite example I think of why, how the writing works really well is when she's first meeting with Buddy and Champion O'Malley's mm-hmm. and you see the contract like she's set her heart on him like he's the perfect guy for her and then when you see them talking it's so obviously wrong yeah and like it, yes like people in that kind of town really are proud of their Chipotles and like Making a joke out of that is kind of smug, but when it's done to like highlight the contrast between those two people, it's just it's just amazing. It's yeah, brilliant. because the movie's kind of like, do you really think you're better than thinking that getting a new Chipotle is great? Like, right? Yeah. Like, is that necessarily a bad thing? Like, I feel like the movie doesn't decide, like, doesn't come down on yeah, her yeah. side or the town side either way. Maybe I only think it's smug because, or maybe I only think it's a joke because I used to live in New York and I'm an elitist. <laughs> no, I mean, I think exactly the same thing, but I don't think the movie's on our side. <laughs> we live there together. Yeah, I. Also want to say, Patrick Wilson is also really great in this movie. Yeah, he yeah. plays, like, the perfect, boor- like, kind of boring-ish, like, just guy. Just okay. He's a man. A potato man. Right. <laughs> he was also in Prometheus, so we're yes. continuing mm. our weird link-to-link trend. I yes. hope that this is how she decided to do movies. <laughs> She's like, you know, actually, this movie <laughs> well, this has the same composer as the last yeah. movie. This, this is one year before Prometheus. Yeah. So when she chose Prometheus, she was like, yeah, "Right, I like it. Um, I would like this person to have a cameo that I have no interaction with." <laughs> yes. I think we should uh, talk about who Keanu would be in this movie. So I feel like the obvious answer is Buddy, but I don't like that. Right. I so Bob and I talked about this, and I hundred percent am like vehemently opposed to Keanu being Buddy because I think part of what this movie like traffics in is that Charlize is more beautiful and like otherworldly than everyone else. And I'm like. Keanu's too handsome yeah. in a, like, Hollywood way. And it's not that Patrick Wilson, like, Bob tried to convince me that he's a handsome man. Yeah. And he, he's a handsome man, I guess, but he looks like a person. But Keanu Reeves he's is like, I've stu- like Yeah, he's a man who has a man face. So I think Keanu in Buddy would, he would be too special. He looks like a movie star. Yeah. yeah I can agree with that. So who do you think he should play? So for me, I would cast him as the single mom. <laughs> In the, so, the, like, the redhead, like, who has that very small interaction with him, that he would be the person in the band who, like, tries to say something snide to Charlize, and then she destroys him. But um, as a man, yes. As, as a single man, dad. Yeah, yeah okay. I don't want him to cross-dress, but, like, that's okay. the role that I would put him in. It's relatively small, but I just think it would be fun to see him, like, take such a put-down. And I just think that if he were in any bigger role, it would start to mess with the movie's balance of Charlize being above everyone else. Mm-hmm. Well, I really want to Photoshop that. So great answer. <laughs> What about you, Bob Shields? Um, I would cast him as the happy-go-lucky crippled cousin. <laughs> <laughs> 
I thought sure. about that too. Like, like, we too. can do anything they can do, even more, even. Because uh, <laughs> like, we had a reboot on positivity. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, much for similar reasons as your previous answer, I was like, I would like to see him in idiot Ted mode. Yeah, that would be he super. Would just, <laughs> just show and have Pat also being like, Ugh, I hate this guy. <laughs> okay, this is a. Deep, deep cameo, but I want him to play Alan, her ex-husband. Just in the photo. Just in that one photo. (laughs) That would actually be brilliant. smart, yeah. yeah. Because she had, you know, that life. I was going to say, a a similar deep, deep cameo, I was going to say she could, he could be not a figure, but a voice and be J.K. Simmons's, uh, he's like her boss that keeps calling her. That was J.K. Simmons? Yeah, which I, 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 I'm pretty sure, I didn't even check, so I could be wrong. But but I was listening to it again, and I was like, that sounds like J.K. Simmons. And I was like, it would make sense if it was him, because he's, like, in the Diablo Cody world. If so, yes. another connection to a previous yes. episode, because he has, like, a tiny cameo in Cyber yeah. roles. Yes. I'm waiting with bated breath. I know. If I'm wrong, then that's just embarrassing. But he yeah. was in Juno. Was, yeah! Mavis's, pub- Mavis's publisher, voice uncredited. Yeah, Very well done! I heard it, and I was like, that's J.K. Simmons. I'm so I, glad I, you're I guessing you. on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so that would have gone completely un- unspared. Yes. Can we also, like, the names in this are so perfect. Mm. Buddy <laughs> Slade. Buddy Slade. <laughs> I just, uh, I love it. <laughs> Any other Charlie's notes? She's beautiful and perfect. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> did you want to talk about the state of these guys? Her eyebrows are glorious. <laughs> <laughs> They're even better than they are in Prometheus, which came after this. Because uh, I think that they, the makeup-wise, they filled them in a little bit more. Yeah. Oh, because she's not so icy right. as she was in, in Prometheus. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> well grown. Yeah. Well grown. <laughs> One thing I want on Mike is... Alex, why did you ask to guest on this episode? Oh, um, because it is one of my favorite movies, and I think she is really great in it. And I don't know, I just really liked, I like the, I think it's like one of those movies that I'm like, it's perfectly cast, and like, it's perfectly, like, the story ends the way you kind of want it to, and I like that the blow-up in the movie at the end is a blow-up, but it's also not like a, like a life-changing thing for anyone. Like, yeah. Yeah. when she leaves that place, like... They're continuing the party, and they're going yep. on about their lives. Even her parents, who are, like, there at the party, who are just like, stop it. Like, they're just going to stay there, mm-hmm. and she's going to stay the same. And I just really like that. I just really like that. Well, we've really loved having you as a guest. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got one more segment, which is to talk about our rankings. hmm I'll go first. This is my new number one. What's your number two? Fate of the Furious. <laughs> and your number three? Is Prometheus. That's right. Okay. <laughs> I couldn't remember if Prometheus had unseated Fate of the Furious. But no, not. no, no, not even. All right, we're not going to open that can of worms. Yeah. <laughs> Bob Shields, what's your ranking? Uh, this is also my new number one. Yeah. Uh, kind of for similar reasons that Bagger Vance edged out Italian Job because it feels like it's made by people. It's not like a corporate product. This is like a real movie about a real feeling person and it's like expertly crafted and written and performed. Yeah. So. Well, The Rock is a real feeling person who's expertly crafted <laughs> No, he's like a performed. caricature monster I man. <laughs> I, this is also my new number one, easily. And I think it's going to be very difficult to unseat it. Because I agree. I right. was asked by someone the other night, they're like, what What would you say is your number one Charlie's role? And I was like, do you mean movie? Like my number one Charlie's movie or my number one role? And I, I think, I mean, I haven't seen all of them yet. 
But I think this is easily, like, I think the best role that she's ever played. Like, I think it's, it's amazing. The only shot any movie has, I mean, obviously we've still got a lot of movies I haven't seen, but it's, I'm going to have a lot of thinking to do when we get to Mad Max Fury Road. It's yes. true. Well, see, I think I might think Mad Max Fury Road is the best movie with her in it, but I think this might be her best role. Well, and we'll it's tough. Find, we'll, we'll find, find out. out. Stay tuned. <laughs> Don't hold your breath for the Mad Max episode, guys. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, that's gonna be. We're wild. saving that. We're saving it for a good, good one. <laughs> so we should say thank you to Alex Reed for our perfect theme song and outro. Thank you to Alex O'Brien for coming on. Thank you for having me, guys. Uh, you can see her at the Arcade Comedy Theater almost every Sunday hosting Bonus Stage. You can see her in SideQuest, which is an arcade house team, as well as the well-known Strangers. So come and see Alex be funny if you happen to be in Pittsburgh. Fortunately, you can also see Regina in both of those yeah. teams <laughs> alongside her. But come for the Alex, stay for the Regina. <laughs> or the other way. What's the good one? I don't know. Anyway, uh, most importantly... <laughs> Thank you, Charlies. And now you heard of the Ramathon. homemade whiskey that's yeah. aged for eight yeah. years and she chugs it and then she goes was I supposed to say that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry I do have to say this he's like let's let it age some more and I was like whiskey doesn't age in a glass bottle Pat Oswald you'd have to put it back in the barrel he's in Mercury Minnesota he probably doesn't know that he's I'm... never been to the whiskey experience okay fine <laughs>